And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of Carson Sack Podcast where we talk balls. This is the first podcast that I've been doing for you all in about three or four weeks. I want to apologize right off the bat for such the long absence. Um, Took a few trips, was dealing with some other things, so just wanted to get an episode out to you all to let you know I'm still here, I'm still doing this, and uh, I imagine the world is going to be a pretty crazy place for the next couple weeks, Um, so trying to do something and give you all something to take your mind off that for 45 minutes to an hour, um, so you can decompress and sort of escape from all the outside noise um, regarding you know, politics. And that is going to be the last uh, politics we're going to talk on this episode of Carson Sack Podcast because we are going to shut up and dribble. We are going to stick to sports. We have some college football discussion. A lot has happened since I last spoke to you all. We have some NFL discussion as well. And we have everyone's favorite segment, the mail sack. You all send in some great questions this week, so I'm looking forward to getting to those. So before I get into that, I do have to remind you all, like, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you might get your podcast from. It helps me out a lot, and it is greatly appreciated. So, without further ado, let's get into this week's mail sack. Our first question this week comes from Hank Hunt, who asks, Are the Indiana Hoosiers the best football team in the Big Ten? Hank, you know the answer. Unfortunately, they are not. They are probably, the at, at this very moment, they are the second best team in the Big Ten. Miles behind Ohio State, but what Indiana has done so far this year, extremely impressive, sitting at 2-0, upsetting Penn State in that wild game first week, and then handling their business in what was a letdown spot, going up against Rutgers, who under Greg Schiano has shown that they're a lot more competitive and just an all-around more solid football team um, in his first year than what they were over the last couple years, so exciting for Indiana fans. November 21st is going to come along. Ohio State's going to play you all. That's not the de facto Big Ten championship game, but it sort of is at the moment. How I think that game's going to go, irrelevant now because so much can happen until then. But Indiana, not the best team in the Big Ten, but firmly seated at the second best team in the Big Ten, which is leaps and bound. Uh, better than what people I think expected for this Indiana football team this year. Next question comes from Davis Canapel, who says, Is Chubb going to make this offense more consistent? Yes, he is. And I think getting Hunt more involved in the passing game and not just using him as an every down back is going to really help things out for Baker. 
You lose, obviously, the big playability with Odell with his ACL injury out for the year. And I'm going to stop this discussion right now. Are the Browns better without Odell? They are not. Anytime you can have a guy on a team that can influence and impact the game just by being on the field and having attention drawn to him, and then having a guy like Odell who you saw in the Dallas game on the end around, who just is going to have certain plays in games that nobody else on the field is going to make because they are just that much better and that a superstar play, they're not better. So, back to the original point. Chubb, I think, provides them a more solid running back, and it, it's going to keep Chubb, it's going to keep Hunt, excuse me, fresher um, for when he does come in. He's going to have more legs underneath him. They're going to use him, I think, Hunt more in the passing game and give Baker another option as well. It's nothing, obviously, yes, the six points this past week against the Raiders is concerning. I think... That was more of Gruden outcoaching Stefanski, and we've not seen that this year really where Stefanski just gets outcoached. The team has gotten outplayed, certainly. You can look at the Baltimore game to open the season and the Steelers game um, already happening. I just think that's they were outplayed. Outcoached, though, I think Gruden did a wonderful job with the game plan and everything, and look at how the defense played in this past Raiders game they played well enough to win for the most part it was just I think out coaching so when Chubb comes back you get a solid runner three down back everything like that but Hunt I think it's going to help him a bunch because they're going to incorporate him more in the passing game and that's where he's really shined this year for the Browns the next question comes from Emily Lucchese. Do you like fat bottom girls? Emily, I do, but there's uh, no point in discriminating. Fat bottom girls, little bottom girls, whatever it may be, um, I'm fine with it all. Next, um, we have a question from Taylor Doherty who asks, Thoughts on Steelers being 7-0 predictions? Okay, first I would like to encourage everyone to listen to to Taylor's new podcast that she has out now, um, Tailored to You Podcast. She's had about three or four episodes already so far with a uh, already a wide array of guests. Um, she's had an NFL player on. She's had a model on as well. The model was the first episode. The NFL player was episode two or three, I believe. Um, so if you're looking for something totally different than a sports podcast, I 100% um in pushing you to go listen to her podcast. It's extremely enjoyable to listen to. So go out of your way, find it. It's on iTunes, I believe, and Spotify as well. Now, to get back to her question, thoughts on the Steelers being said or no? Steelers, go into Baltimore and beat the Ravens this past weekend, and I'm, that almost pretty much guarantees that the Ravens, whenever the return game is, are going to come into Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers. It's I, can, I guarantee that. What is encouraging from a Steelers fan's point of view, I would say, the Steelers are winning games in a multitude of ways. There are games where their defense is coming out, they're dominating, um, they're able to establish a run with Connor and at times Benny Snell and really control how the game is going to go, the defense imposing their will. There's also games where the Steelers are coming out and they're scoring a ton of points, getting all their 
extremely talented receivers involved with Juju, Claypool, Deontay Johnson, James Washington at times. Eric Ebron is starting to come along, which is going to be huge for the Steelers, I think, if they're going to make a deeper run because of how much Ben does at times look to tight ends across the middle and everything like that. So it's very encouraging to see the Steelers be able to win these seven games in a multitude of ways. Do I think they're going to be undefeated for the entire year? No, I just don't think a team, I don't think they're built for that. And I don't think that's probably Tomlin's or Ben's goal really for the entire year. Obviously, the Super Bowl is their end goal, and I think if it calls for resting and keeping Ben healthy and Tomlin maybe stepping off the gas a little bit um, to get guys healthy and ready for the playoff run, I think that's what they're going to do. But overall, you have to be extremely excited if you're a Steelers fan because they've shown over the course of these seven games just how in so many different ways they can win a football game, and that's exciting. Our next question comes from Ian Bentz, who asks, best quarterback of the AFC North? Okay, I'm I'm going to rank them, and it's probably not going to be. This is today what I think. Lamar Jackson's number one. I understand that there are times when he's turnover prone. He hasn't won, quote-unquote, the big one, the big game yet. But I think that if you told me that I could, and this isn't even the question, but build a franchise around one of these guys from the AFC North right now, then that's who I would pick. Then after him, I obviously go Ben Roethlisberger. You look at what he's done, the two Super Bowls, him coming back from the injury last year, how well he's done so far through these seven games, um, and the talent he has around him, how he is elevating those guys. So I go with Ben. Third, this is probably where I'm going to get into where people are going to disagree. I have Baker Mayfield third. Right now, he comes off two games ago, that five touchdown performance against the Bengals, and then follows it up with a very okay pedestrian game against the Raiders where he doesn't have any touchdown passes, but he he didn't do anything to lose the game. What he has done in Cleveland for Cleveland to get to the, the point where he won 17 games over the course of his first three years, it took, I think, like, 10 different quarterbacks for the Browns over, I think, a course of four or five years. Just like insane that that's the case. But I have him at four, right? At three right now. Four, but I'm extremely confident will probably be two once Ben retires and once he gets some more like offensive line help is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has this year already leaps and bounds, I think, ahead of what people have said, uh, what they thought they were going to get in him. Um, Obviously, having a very talented receiving core that he has with A.J. Green for the moment in Cincinnati, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, that helps a ton. I get that, but he is doing things and throwing the ball all around the field and fitting balls into tight windows, throwing the ball downfield with accuracy, doing things that NFL quarterbacks have to do um, to be successful in this league. And Joe Burrow is doing all those. Yes, there's times when he holds on to the ball a little bit too long. He takes sacks. 
Partially his fault, partially the terrible offensive line's fault. I get that. But at the moment, he's my four, and it's strictly just because he doesn't have as many wins and as enough tape as Baker Mayfield does. Whenever this changes, and as I said, when Ben probably retires and Joe Burrow gets a little bit more time in the league, I think he cements himself as the second best uh, quarterback in the AFC North. Our next question comes from Meredith Edlin, who asks, Why are you such a snack? Me, myself, I consider myself, I guess, a snack. Thank you. Meredith, I ask, why are you such a three-course meal? How about that one? Our next question comes from Trent Revelet, who asks, will you ever do a live version of Carson Sack? Trent has always pushed for a video format in some way for Carson Sack. Will that ever happen? I don't know. Will a live version ever happen? Again, I don't know. If I could get a venue, if someone, if Trent or any of my other friends are willing to come and watch me do Carson Sack, they're more than welcome to. It would probably be super fucking awkward because it's just me talking into the void in my basement. So I guess we could set up some chairs in front or you could just sit on my couches down here and just watch me record again i think it'd be kind of fucking awkward but if you want trent um we can get something squared away where there might be a live version of carson sack done in the future the next question we got two of them comes from michael bennett who asked what was your best saying x football play don't be bashful brag on yourself well mike i certainly unlike you did not hit a 38 i believe it was 38 or 39, could have been 40, I'm not sure, but a 38, 39, 40-yard field goal to win the game our freshman year against Trinity. I certainly didn't do that, but um, I think one of my favorite plays, it's probably not the best play I ever made, but just it's nice to have it under my belt. Um, Our sophomore year, I believe, yeah, sophomore year playing JV, um, I am, we're playing male who extremely good football team, obviously, but that whole game, it, it is raining its ass off. So one thing that we need to remember about that, that means there's not the typical huddle cameras that are up top filming the game. So I don't think there's any footage of this, but it did happen. It's in the record, like the playbooks, whatever the stat books, whatever they're called, but it's. In the fourth quarter, it's raining. I don't know the score. We are winning, but Mail has the ball and is driving. We're around like the 40-yard line, 50-yard line. Mail has the ball. I'm playing D-line, obviously. Mail calls a pass play. Dylan McFarlane either hits or knocks the ball out of the quarterback's hands while he's throwing or he alters the pass enough where the ball just like barely comes forward and there I am just wide-eyed um hands wide arms wide open ready to intercept this pass and I do and I make the interception and to this day I think one of the biggest regrets I've had 
um, in life and football career is not taking off and running at least a little bit. I took like two or three steps and we were in like a big horde of people. I had daylight in front of me. I'm sure as shit not scoring because there's no way I'm going 60 yards in the rain with my speed who, I listen, I'm not fast, I'm quick. I would like to point that out. But I pick it off, I take two or three steps, and then I'm like, this game, in my head, which I'm extremely surprised I had the wherewithal and the thought process to do this in the middle of a play, but I'm like, hey, we got this game won, we're going to take a couple knees, we're going to win this, just fall down, the play's dead, you're good. So I do that, but again... I wish I would have at least ran out a little bit with the ball so people could have seen me. Maybe some pictures could have been flashed, something like that. But I think that was my best play um, at St. X. There's game, I had better games. The Moeller game my senior year, um, the manual game uh, our senior year, the regular season. I've had better games, but best individual play ever, I think it's that um, ceiling the game our sophomore year with the interception then the next question comes from mike bennett as well it's the last question to ask what conference will win the super bowl nfc or afc i like this question a lot and the way i've thought about this is the nfc has much better teams much better teams overall you got the seahawks you have the buccaneers you have the saints you have the cardinals to an extent you have the eagles who the Eagles, they're not great, but I think they're not great now. But I think if health, if they can get their um, injuries taken care of and get guys back at full strength, I think they're going to be a tough out. You have the Packers. You have the Bears, who have a ridiculously good defense. You have, who else? The North? No. The West? No. I see South, Saints, Buccaneers. Just overall, like I said, the NFC has much better teams. But. The best team happens to be in the AFC, and it's the Chiefs. So, I think I think that regardless of who comes out of the NFC, the Chiefs are still going to win. If their offense, I'm no concerns about. Their defense, I don't have many concerns. And I think they're going to be turning a corner coming down the stretch in the last couple weeks, and especially in the playoffs, like they did last year where that defense is going to flip a switch and be better than what people realize and be able to force takeaways and make bigger plays in bigger moments. So I'm still all in on the Chiefs. So technically, to answer your question, the AFC is going to win the Super Bowl, but the NFC is a better conference as a whole, I think, widely better that concludes this week's mail sack thank you everyone for sending your questions as always it is greatly greatly appreciated so now that's taken care of let's switch focus to talk about the ncaa football season so week 10 already the big 10 through two weeks the pac-12 starting this week the SEC, ACC going into Week 10. A lot has happened. The big news, obviously, that has dominated. Trevor Lawrence out last week against Boston College. That Boston College gave Clemson a little bit of a scare. Now, Trevor Lawrence also out this week against Notre Dame. 
You're going to hear my thoughts a little bit more about that game later, but let's first talk about some of the other games this week. So on Friday, you have Miami 11th in the country going to North Carolina State. I am tempted to take North Carolina State. Um, Leary so far on the year for them, for the Wolfpack, eight touchdowns, two interceptions, um, doing enough to win games, but night on the ground for them, 406 yards, three touchdowns. I like how they are able to mix things up a little bit with the pass and the run, very complimentary football for them. Ultimately, though, King for Miami, though, their quarterback, 11 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, 1,400 yards. I think that Miami is going to win this game. I think it's going to be closer than the 10. It's not a pick or anything like that. Um, It just jumped out to me. I think Miami has too much talent on both sides of the ball. Um, North Carolina State keeps it close for a little while, but then Miami wins out. Now on Friday night as well, late game 945, I think this has the potential to be the game of the week, maybe the year. Uh, BYU, 7-0, ninth in the country, going up against 2-0, 21st in the country, Boise State. You have Zach Wilson, the bit of a Heisman sleeper, but gaining a lot of traction for BYU at quarterback. 2,100 yards, 19 touchdowns, two interceptions. Al Geyer, the running back for BYU, 587 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, on the opposite side of the field for Boise State, you have Sears at quarterback, three touchdowns on the year. Um, I am going to pick Boise State in this one. I think this is BYU's real first test. Um, they struggled with Houston a little bit, and I think up to that point was like their biggest, toughest game. Um, I think Boise State has enough talent to hang with, not only hang with them, but beat BYU. Um, so I'm taking Boise State over BYU in this one. But if BYU is going to win, and it is extremely possible this happens, Wilson is going to go off, and Boise will just not have enough answers for him. And that is an extremely possible scenario that happens but I think Boise State ends up making enough plays on defense when they have to um, and gets the win the next game Rutgers going to Ohio State Ohio State has looked good not great so far this year the first three drives against Penn State last week I think they looked great and I think also it's a bit of a not a hangover for this team from last year but for the fans I think Ohio State fans were spoiled last year with how they beat every Big Ten opponent by double digits. They've done that so far this year. But how they've how dominant they looked last year and how I don't even want to say undominant because they've written no game has been as close as what the scores or anything would indicate. I just think they're not performing to what fans saw last year so they think it's a regression but Justin Fields is having again an incredible year the defense is going to get figured out I don't even think there's that big of a problem because that first half against Penn State how well they defended against the tight end down the middle and then made Clifford the quarterback for Penn State look just inept um, but then in that second half, they showed some regression. I don't know what the issue with that was, call it halftime adjustments or p- 
taking your foot off the gas, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that defense is going to round into form. Um, I think by the by the Indiana game, they need to have come a little bit around with the corners a little bit, the secondary. The linebackers have played great. The D-line has been a committee so far. Um with who really impacts the game so far through two games. I'm fine with that because they have a lot of talent and some depth there on the D-line. So, okay. This week, though, Ohio State blows out Rutgers. Whatever. Next, we have Michigan going to Indiana. I'm going to take Michigan to beat Indiana. I think Indiana is riding way too high. I think they're going to get out over their skis. And I think Michigan, coming off last week, getting embarrassed against Michigan State, a game that should have never been close. Michigan should have blown them out. And Milton, all the talk of him uh, at quarterback for Michigan, 525 yards, a ton of yards, but only one touchdown. I think that changes, and he has an extremely um, touchdown-heavy game for Michigan as they go to Indiana and beat um, beat Indiana. But I will say this. If this game was played in front of fans, Indiana wins. But I think the lack of fans and them not having that environment and just like the importance that would – the fans would bring to this game. Obviously, I understand Indiana is still going to prepare for this as a monster game because it is a massively important game. But I think in-game, with momentum swings and things like that, last week, Penn State game and Ohio State game, that would have been important uh, to have fans there. I think this week, it's that game for Indiana where if there were fans there and you had the energy and the momentum swings that would really play a part in it so i take michigan over indiana the next game i'd like to talk about you have arizona state going to usc i don't know a ton about these teams uh i'm gonna go with usc based off uh name alone but Herm Edwards always has a couple dogs for Arizona State that go out and ball out. So um, I expect a good game, but USC to win. Next, you have Texas hosting West Virginia. West Virginia's defense has been a bright spot in the Big 12 all year for defensive football. I wanted to take West Virginia over Texas in this one. I think Texas coming off the big win last week, going to uh, Oklahoma State and getting the victory. I think they're going to have a bit of a hangover. I think Tom Herman's going to get complacent. And so I have West Virginia over Texas. Next, let's see. Yeah, okay. Here we go. Big SEC matchup uh, in the SEC East. You have Florida, 8th in the country, sitting at 3-1, and one, going up against Georgia, 5th in the country at 4-1. and one. And this really couldn't be any different styles of football. Florida's offense has looked great. Georgia's defense has looked great coming off last week, holding Kentucky to only three points. That's not saying much because Kentucky's offense is fucking terrible. But anytime you can hold an SEC team to three points, that's impressive. And Georgia did that, especially on the road. Impressive. Uh, Bennett for Georgia, seven touchdowns, five interceptions. Kyle Trask, though, for Florida, 18 touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, 1,300 yards. Pitts for Florida, 355 yards receiving and seven touchdowns. I should say defense would win out in this, but I just cannot do it. I think that Florida 
you're, I think this game could go a lot like what happened in the Georgia-Alabama game. And I'm not comparing Florida to Alabama at all. I just think that Florida is going to be able, I think, to maybe jump out to a quick lead. And when you take away Georgia's running game, which I think is a strength of their offense, and you ask Bennett to go out and win the game for you, I think that's when you're going to run into problems. When he tries to force a few throws, maybe your defense can come up with a turnover here or there because he's forcing things, and that adds to the momentum shifts, and you can convert those turnovers into points. That's where I think... um, that Georgia is going to find themselves in some trouble. So I'm going to go with Florida in this one. A big game from Trask is going to be necessary if they're going to pull off this win. So I take Florida strictly because of the offense and the, at times, ineptitude of Bennett on offense for Georgia. Then we have Houston going to Cincinnati. Cincinnati, six in the country. Well, hello, Bearcats. Desmond Ritter, 944 yards through the air, 10 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Had a huge running game for himself a couple weeks ago um, against SMU, I believe. Uh, Dokes for the Bearcats on the ground, six touchdowns. I think Houston's going to play this game close. I think it's going to be closer than what people expect. But I think Cincinnati has too much physicality, especially up front on both sides of the ball. So I take Cincinnati over Houston um, in this one. Maryland going up against Penn State. Maryland played extremely well against Minnesota last week on Friday night. I don't know if Minnesota is just bad or what, or if Maryland finally looked like they were turning the corner. Their defense was terrible the first game they were all right the second game um it did take a missed field goal excuse me a missed extra point for maryland to be able to pull off this win so i'm gonna go with penn state in this one and i think that they're just going to obviously coming off the two losses to start of the season not a ton to play for right now but i think james franklin is going to have them ready to play this game but i think maryland keeps it close for a little while but Penn State pulls away and ultimately wins the game. Next, Oklahoma State coming off the loss last week to Texas, going to Kansas State. I am going to go with Kansas State in this one. Um, Kansas State with Vaughn, the running back, what he does, um, a do-it-all. 70 carries on the year for 331 yards and four touchdowns. 15 receptions for 361 yards and a touchdown. I think this is going to be an ugly game. I think... And I really think that favors Kansas State. Um, We saw last week in a close, I don't want to call it ugly because there were a lot of points scored, but um, tight-knit game. You saw Oklahoma State make some mistakes that they really shouldn't have. I think that's going to be another type of game this week, and I think Kansas State ultimately wins this one. Um, So the game I teased earlier, uh, the big one on the day, Clemson going up against Notre Dame to Notre Dame. I understand Trevor Lawrence is going to be out, but I think with a week to prepare rather than a day and a half, two days that they had last week to prepare with the backup quarterback for Clemson um, and what ETN was able to do in that second half to really will Clemson to victory, I think Clemson steps up massively the rest of that team. I think the backup quarterback, I'm not even going to try and say his name because I am going to fail miserably, but 
I think that Clemson, Dabo rallies the guys around. They come out swinging. I think they get up big, and I think it takes a lot of pressure off. The backup quarterback allows ETN to really be the vocal point of that offense from the beginning rather than having him have to come save the day again like last week. I think Book is going to do not well against Clemson secondary and their defense um, the rushing attack for Notre Dame has been pretty solid um, most of the year. Uh, Williams on the ground for them, 600 yards and seven touchdowns, but the passing game with Book has been a question mark. And again, I think if Clemson is able to get out to that early lead and you have an Ian Book come out and he has to throw the ball around the field, mistakes are going to happen. Clemson's defense is going to step up. ETN is going to be able to tote the rock, um, impact the game on the ground through his catching abilities as well. Um, So I go with Clemson over Notre Dame. And I think grab it at whatever it is now because I think so many people are going to be on Notre Dame that I think you could maybe move it. It could move down. I understand that. But I'm, I'm all in on Clemson this week. Then uh, on Saturday night, you have Stanford going to Oregon. Oregon 12th in the country. Their offensive and defensive line for Oregon is fantastic. It's going to be interesting to see how they replace Herbert, but I have Oregon beating Stanford uh, quite handedly. And then Louisville going up against Virginia. Louisville's offense was really clicking last game against Virginia Tech. Their defense, though, of course, extremely spotty. We knew that. Um... For I'll take, fuck it, I'll take Louisville. I think they can go and maybe score 35, 40 points again and uh, get the win against Virginia on the road in a tough ACC uh, matchup. That wraps up the college football discussion on this week's sack. Let's now move on to the NFL. The Thursday night game this week, you have the Packers coming off the loss to the Vikings. A bit surprising, going up against the 49ers who are injury-plagued to say the least, coming off their loss to the Seahawks last week. Uh, Mullins is going to be getting the start for the 49ers in place of Jimmy Garoppolo, who is dealing with a high ankle sprain, who at best is going to be out six weeks. So I think this season is practically mailed in for the 49ers. I think the Packers rebound extremely well in this game. If they can get Aaron Jones back, especially he is such a vocal part of that offense, and it just it leaps and bounds is better when he's in the lineup. His catching ability, the way he runs the ball, it's such a great complimentary piece for Aaron Rodgers. So I go with the Packers over the 49ers in this one. Next, we have the Steelers and the Cowboys. Steelers' defense is going to be too much for whoever the fuck the Cowboys roll out there at quarterback. It's a shame that the Cowboys lose Dak and then lose Andy Dalton, who I don't think Dalton was... Anything. I don't think he was going to do anything special, but I think he was going to ma- at least make them respectable and maybe put them in some positions to win games. But now with Dalton out, uh, this Cowboys team is a joke. So I take the Steelers over the Cowboys. Then we have the Broncos and the Falcons. The Falcons coming off a win uh, two weeks ago. And then the bye last week. Excuse me. Excuse me. Coming off the win... Uh, last week, 
Denver coming off the win last week in their come-from-behind victory against the Chargers. I am going to go with the Falcons over the Broncos in this one. I think the Falcons' D-line is playing extremely well since the uh, letting go of Dan Quinn. I don't know if those two things are correlated or anything like that, but they were able to... uh, really get after the quarterback um, in their last game. So I am going to go with the Falcons over the Broncos. Next, we have a big, big matchup between the Seahawks and the Bills. I am going to take the Bills over the Seahawks. I think Josh Allen is going to be able to do a lot of things against the secondary of the Seahawks that has really declined all year. Hasn't really answered the bell in most of their games. Is pretty much the big weak spot of this team. Russell Wilson, obviously, I think is going to have a great game because the Bills' defense, what was thought to be a really big strength for them, hasn't been as good as it could be, but I think um, Tredavious White is going to do well enough on either Lockett or uh, DK Metcalf over the course of this game that uh, the Bills will be able to win. Next, we have the Bears and the Titans. I have the Titans in this one coming off two straight losses. Last week against the the Bengals that they shouldn't have been. There shouldn't even have been a game, honestly. So I take the Titans over the Bears uh, in that one. And then we have the Ravens and the Colts. I think the Ravens' defense is going to terrorize Phillip Rivers. I'm thinking a ton of sacks, at least two interceptions. I think Lamar Jackson has his best game of the year in this one uh, up to this point, and the Ravens beat the Colts. Then we have the Panthers and the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs continue to roll. Um, they, cut, they have a bye next week, so I think they're going to try and go out and really put up a lot of points. Um, assert their dominance once again with the buy ahead, have that week off, regroup, refresh. So I have the Chiefs over the Panthers. Next, we have the Lions and the Vikings. The Vikings coming off the win last week against the Packers. The Lions taking the loss to the Colts. I will go with the Lions in this one. For some reason, I bet Kirk Cousins just has a terrible game, regresses, Maybe a pick or two. Maybe Jeff Okuda gets in on the action, gets a pick in this one. So I go with the Lions over the Vikings. Then we have a wonderful game, the Giants and the Washington football team. I'm going to go with the Washington football team in this one because I think their defensive line is going to cause all sorts of issues for uh, Daniel Jones. And what, what he did last night... Um, with some of his decisions, holding the ball on too long, throwing the ball away, um, throwing interceptions. It was remarkable to see, honestly, some of the decisions he made. I was left uh, my mouth agape at some of his choices because I was so appalled and just taken aback by. So I think Washington ends up getting the victory over the Giants. Next, we have the Texans and the Jaguars. The Jaguars are going to be without Gardner Minshew, and I think the Texans get a much-needed win to improve to 2-6 on the year. I just think Deshaun Watson coming off the bye and everything um, is going to score too many points for the Jaguars to stay in it. Next, we have the Raiders and the Chargers. This is going to be a fantastic game. Take the over. I'm going to go with the Chargers in this one. A very close game I suspect will happen. I think both these offenses are extremely good. Um, extremely different, though. Um, 
The Raiders seem to lean on the run a little bit, but Derek Carr has done exceedingly well, I think, this year um, when he's asked to make a play. And Justin Herbert for the Chargers has done extremely well um, through the course of seven games so far for them. It's not translating for wins with the Chargers just yet, but the stats are there for Herbert. Uh, I expect a lot of points, but ultimately a Chargers victory down the stretch. Then we have the Dolphins and the Cardinals. This is going to be another good game. I think that if... Tua last week. Let's talk a little bit about Tua. Tua played okay. Um, he didn't. He didn't have to go and win the game. And I think this week he's going to have to go and win the game. And I don't know if your second start ever. You're really in the NFL. You're poised to do that. I think Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins have a good game. Um, the defense for Miami has looked extremely good the last few weeks, especially last week against uh, the Rams. McVay, you talk about how, for the Rams, how he's this offensive guru, but Flores down in Miami had a great game plan for them. Had them coached up, excited for this game last week. I'm maybe a little let down. Maybe Tua has to make a few big plays that I just don't think your second game, you're really going to be able to do that in the NFL. So I take the Cardinals over the Dolphins. The Sunday night game, I think, is going to be a doozy. The Saints and the Buccaneers, I think Michael Thomas is due to be back, hopefully, for the Saints. That's going to provide a spark for them in the passing game, help Drew Brees out a lot. On the other side of the field, you have Antonio Brown making his debut for the Buccaneers. Godwin coming back for the Buccaneers as well. I think ultimately the defense for the Buccaneers and the run game for the Buccaneers are what is going to be able to win it for them. I think they'll probably have a lead in the fourth quarter. We'll have to run the ball, kill clock, um... And win the game that way. Defense will have to make a few stops late in the game against Drew Brees. And I think they're going to be able to do that. So I take the Buccaneers over the Saints. And then the Monday night game. Um, I'd rather be shot in the leg than watch this game. But guess what? I'm going to watch it anyway. The Patriots 2-5 and five on the year after losing last week to the Bills. And what Cam Newton called a must win. Go to the Jets who are 0-8 on the year. Cam Newton only two touchdowns through the air, uh, seven interceptions, does have six rushing touchdowns though, but Julian Edelman, the leading receiver for the Patriots, only 315 yards on the year, he is out for an extended period of time because of a surgery to his leg, I believe. I'm going to take the Patriots, Patriots in this one, I think they're the better team, they're definitely the better coach team and I think in a matchup of two very down on their luck teams right now um and just in general you t I think you take the better coach with two down on their luck teams and obviously Belichick is a much better coach than what Gase is so I take the Patriots um, that's going to wrap up the NFL talk. I've been doing the sack picks on Twitter in my absence from podcasting. I will give out my official sack picks on Twitter this week as well once I get a little closer to Sunday um, in case there's some COVID players out or anything like that or late injuries. I've been doing all right up until the last two weeks. I've got back-to-back -back losing records. Well, I didn't lose Two weeks ago, I was 1-1-1. One, one, and one. This week, I was 1-2 and two because the Chargers don't know how to fucking finish. And because 
um, the Browns are incapable of putting two good games back-to-back. Um, so very frustrating. But keep your eyes peeled um, on my Twitter, at Carson Karras, uh, for the official sack picks. So that is going to do it for this episode of Carson Sack Podcast, episode 76. It was really nice. I enjoyed getting back onto the mic and talking to you all next week we have a massive episode we are going to have college football discussion we're gonna have nfl discussion and it is finally masters fucking week the golf tournament that gets the most eyes um from the most casual viewers is next week it is the granddaddy of them all um if you will for me for golf i cannot wait i'm gonna be getting in the lab looking at some numbers getting things together for you all so i'm extremely excited to give you a bit of a master's preview next week so you have that to look forward to you have a mail sack also to look forward to next week um Keep your eyes peeled on my Snapchats and my Instagrams for your opportunity to send in questions to those. Thank you always for tuning in. Like, rate, review, subscribe, as I said earlier. Show a friend. Show a family member. Give you and your awkward family members something to talk about. Hey, did you listen to that Carson Sack episode last week? Uh, yeah, I did. It was fantastic. The holidays are coming up. We need something to talk to them about. This podcast would be a great thing. It's a starting point. You can talk about this, talk about sports a little bit, and then you're done. You talk to them for five minutes, you don't have to talk to them the rest of the day. It's perfect. So, thank you for tuning in, as always, to Carson Sack podcast where we talk balls this was episode 76 thank you once again and as we always end here on the sack we will now baby stand up because girl you